0: Well, tonight we are thinking about the theme. You must be born again. John three seven says, "Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again." And when we think about the scripture, it's full of doctrines, and one of the most important doctrines. Well, they are all important. One of of the most important doctrines is the uh, the doctrine of rebirth. The Bible tells us you must be born again. And when we talk about this, uh, about the doctrine of rebirth, we see a lot of resistance, especially in contemporary churches. When we talk about you must be born again, you will see there is a resistance. Why does that bring resistance? Well, the greatest answer to this is because we can't do anything to this. This is a work of God. This is a work of this Holy Spirit. This is a work in which we ourselves can't do anything. It's all relying upon the finished work of Jesus Christ and on His Holy Spirit. But the Bible is clear about this. The Bible tells us you must be born again. And the reason why we must born again is that we, from nature, we are a voluntary slave of sin. And there is no way to get out of the slavery on our own. Something needs to be done. I was, the other day I was reading Joel Beakey and he said about, about this, voluntary slavery is the most terrifying slavery after all, how can such slaves be freed? Voluntary slavery is the most terrifying slavery. After all, how can such slaves be freed? And to be freed from the slavery of sin, you need to be born again. And this is the thing we will see that Nicodemus needs. But this is the thing that we all need. Everyone needs to be born Again. And our first point we will look to this Nicodemus. To get some idea who he is. We see Nicodemus, he is coming to Jesus in the night. And he is one of the most religious leaders. And on the outside we can see he is one, he is a religious person. But inwardly he is far away from the kingdom of God. He looks to Jesus as someone indeed who is sent from God but nothing more than a teacher, just a teacher sent from God. But who were these these Pharisees? Well, at the time uh, in Jesus' time, there were about six thousand Pharisees in, in Israel, and they were the religious leaders of Israel of the people. They were very high in esteem, and they were very fond of outward faith uh, by doing all their outward ceremonies. And they loved to get praise from the people. They did a lot of ceremonial washings, fastings, visible and long prayers to be heard by people. And they gave gifts to people, but they did it in such a way that they could be seen. And in their proudness, they thought that they were the only ones who were able to declare the laws of God. And they had the vain thought that they knew the hidden truths of Scripture. But in reality, it was the opposite. And the result was just the opposite. And it becomes clear when we read the scripture and we hear Jesus speaking about them. But also when we hear John. John says, when he speaks about the, the Pharisees, he calls them broad of viper. Ready to attack with their poison. Ready to paralyze and to kill And this Pharisee was Nicodemus. Now, Scripture says he was the ruler of the Jews. And probably he was one of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was 71 people. Uh, These were the high priests, the priests, and some of the elders of uh, the the people of Israel. Uh, And probably he was one of them. And his name we find only in the Gospel of John but we see some great progression because in the first place we will see him here going to Jesus by night but later on when we read in John chapter 7 we will see that he uh, stands up for Jesus but in the end when we come to John 19 we see that after Jesus dies that he helps to bury our Lord and master Jesus Christ and he came to Jesus by night Probably he was scared to lose his reputation, to being seen with Jesus. And he came alone without the others. And it says by night, and probably this could also be an indication of the state of his soul. His soul was in that sense dark. Death and in sin. Maybe you think, well, that's that's weak. He is a leader, he's a prominent man. Why didn't he go to Jesus while it was day? And often they they, they met with Jesus, but he never did go to Jesus while it was day. But the point is that he came to Jesus. He did go to Jesus. And that's always the best, to go to him, even if it's by night. And maybe we can feel ourselves sometimes ashamed if we are earnest. But be encouraged. Go to Jesus. And then we read in verse 2 that Nicodemus said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God. For no one can do these things and signs that you do unless God is with him. And we see that he calls Jesus Rabbi. And Rabbi means master. In other words, he recognized the Lord Jesus Christ on the same level as he was. He was also a teacher of Israel. But we see also, if we read this, that he's saying, we know. We know. There is a plural. So that means that he was not the only one who saw this Jesus as someone with more authority than anyone else. And the reason why they believed that and why they saw that, they saw Jesus doing signs and miracles. Miracles. And it was unmistakable. It was unmistakable that this Jesus was someone else than all the others. That Jesus spoke with great authority, with great might and great power. When we, when we looked at them, with all their theological background and all their knowledge, they didn't come further than a superficial faith by miracles. We must remember that they were experts in the Old Testament. They knew the Old Testament as no one else. But in all the studies of the Old Testament, we see, we will see in a moment, that this man was blind. He studied the Old Testament, but he was blind. He saw Jesus as a teacher. He saw Jesus as someone who was sent from God, but nothing more than a teacher. And this is a thing which we must take to heart because we can study God's word. We can do biblical studies. We can do theological studies. But we can be blind in our hearts. We can be blind for the real truth. We can be blind for the real truth of Jesus Christ, who he really is. And this brings us at our second thought, the absolute necessity of the rebirth. And we will see that Jesus' preaching is working like a knife. It cuts really deeply in the heart of Nicodemus. Then we see that the words of Jesus are bringing a sharp difference. It's the word of God, which exposes the sin and exposes our real problem of the human being. And when we sit in God's word, it's working like a mirror. It's showing are false but it shows also the Savior Jesus Christ listen to the response of Jesus in verse 3 and Jesus he is answering him with the words most assuredly I say to you and it's saying amen amen or truly truly and this expresses a strong statement most assuredly this is the truth This must be understood well. The things that I'm going to say. This is something with high priority. And Jesus talks about the most fundamental things. And Jesus said, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I say to you, unless one is born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. And here is something we must stand still. Because it says unless. Something must happen. And no one is accepted for this necessary necessity. No king. No ruler. No preacher. No child. It says clearly unless. One is born again. He cannot see. And what is it to be born again? We can also translate it with being born from above. And it says you can only see the kingdom of God only under this this condition when you are born again. So there is logic. The logic is Everyone must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And maybe the question arises in your heart, what does it mean to be born again? Well, let me first state what it is not. It is not just an outward change. It is not... Being born, born again is not just an improvement in our life. Being born again is not to say, well, I have just a more pure life. Being born again is not to say, oh, well, I'm a Christian, therefore I'm born again. Being born again is not to apply some sort of rules upon our life. Being born again is not to strive to moral Righteousness. Being born again is not to live a pious life. Paul writes to Titus about people who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of it. Just on the outside, they look godly, they look perfectly, but in the heart, they deny its power. To be born again is not to become a member of the church, to be born again is not to be baptized. To be born again is not to be partly changed. To say, okay, I have a part of my life which is changed and the other part of my life is not changed. It's still the same. And nothing of the outward things are in itself the rebirth. Well, yes, they are a fruit which will come after you are born again. But they are not the things in itself. So we have to say more boldly, Being born again is something that we can't do by ourselves. So then we come to the question, what what is it to be born again? Well, to be born again is a complete and radical change of the heart, the mind and the will, accomplished by and through the Holy Spirit. Let me say this again. To be born again is a complete and radical change of the heart, mind and will, Accomplished by and through the Holy Spirit. It means a new creation. To be born again is to be changed from death to life. To have a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. And it will bring you a new will and new longings. A longing to live for God. It will change your heart and you will long to God. You will say... He is my hope, whom shall I fear than He? And oh, that we will look to the Lord Jesus Christ with an eye of love, because He loved us first. And we will drink from His living water, and also there will be living water flowing out from us. It is a turning away from this world and a turning to Him. A longing, a deep longing from inside out to live for God and for his will and it is to have our treasures not in this world oh friends brothers sisters our treasure is not here on this earth our treasures are not in money our treasures are not in houses or places or buildings our treasure is up in heaven our treasure is Jesus Christ crucified which is for the world something well. Which they will say, well, this is nothing. How can you say this is your treasure? But he is the one who died on that cross. Who cried out, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And then he cried out these words, it is finished. And in his finishing words, he breathed his last, gave his life for sinners. For sinners. And he had said, all who believe in me will have eternal life. That's to be born again, to have a new heart. And there's a big difference between living in the flesh and living from the Spirit. When we are living in the flesh, we, can, we are looking to this world and longing to make more money and to make more fun and we can say oh, how can I make the most of my life now how can I enjoy my stuff but when we are living in the spirit things are radical changed we will say Christ is my treasure and when we have guilt on this earth well we will say my guilt is paid by Jesus Christ on that cross and I enjoy the sweet time in prayer with him It is a radical change of the heart. And when we are born again, it is through the Holy Spirit that He cuts out the old heart of stone, takes it out, and replaces it with a heart of flesh. A living heart. And the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God as a sharp knife to accomplish this surgery. It is a new life. In this new life, we we have a right balance. And making judgments. We have a new hope, we have a real hope, we have eternal hope. We can look over the grave. We don't cry as those who don't have hope. As we as we lose some of our dear brothers or sisters, when we're standing at the grave, we can look further than this grave. We can look at what? And we know that there will be one day that the trumpet will sound and the grave will give its death. And that we will be rejoined, rejoined with Christ. So Jesus said to Nicodemus, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And we must be aware that the Bible uses different expressions to say the same thing. It's not only here that we find that you must be born again. We find it through, throughout the whole Scripture, but it's using different kind of language. I will give you some examples. Well, I said already, take away a heart of stone and giving a heart of flesh. Or we had read Ezekiel, also a new heart and a new spirit. Acts three, we read repentance and conversion, which means to be born again. Or Romans six three. From death becoming life, Ephesians two made alive. Colossians chapter three, which says, "Put off the old man with his deeds and have put on a new man." Titus three, the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the holy spirit. One Peter, he says, called from the darkness into the light. Or Second Peter, be partakers of divine nature. One John three passed from death to life so there are many expressions which say the same if we talk about passed from death to life it is to be born again and called from uh, be partakers in divine nature and these all are pointed to the same doctrine the doctrine of rebirth and being born again is the first and most important step Because we are, from nature, we are born in the flesh. We are born, in that sense, with a death and stony heart. That's what the Bible teaches us. And the Bible teaches us clearly that from itself, no one is searching God. Not even one is searching God. Therefore, we must be born again. And I will use an example it's an example which Paul Washer used once, and it's a, quite a helpful example. Also the children, they will recognize something in it. Let's say, for example, that we have here uh, a decorated plate with food. It is food from a, a top chef, a top cock. Uh, it's full of beautiful and nice food. And on this side we have a bin. It is full of old rotten potatoes. It is smelly, it is ugly, but it's standing here. So the nice food here, and the bin, and the trash here. But at the backside we have a pig. And then we say to the pig, okay, go. What do you think? Does the pig go to the nice food? Or is the pig going to the the bin, the trash, smelly thing? Well, it's in the nature of this pig that he goes into this, this bin and he will, uh, he will enjoy it. He will be there. He will eat that. And he will eat the, the rotten potatoes and the rotten stuff. And... But let's assume that we will have a man, and I know it's not possible, but if we have a man who has the heart, mind, and will of this pig. And we do the same. The backside of the church we said, "Okay, go." What would he do? Would he go to the plate with the nice food, or would he go to the the bin? Well, he should. He also, because of his nature, he will go to the bin and will go into it and will eat from it. But let's assume that in a single moment, his nature and his heart will be changed. But do you think what will happen? Suddenly he will feel deeply ashamed of it. He will be ashamed of the fact that he is in this bin. what will, what will he do? He will go out and will flee away from you because he is sh- shaming of these things. So you see, if your heart is renewed from inside, you have a, another longing, another desire. You want to do the things of God instead of the things of this world. And there's a... A hate towards sin and sinful things. Your heart is changed from darkness into the light. Your heart is a heart which longs to serve God, longs to praise God, and longs to do the things of God instead of do the things of this world. So you see, this must be happened. something must happen in the heart and the nature of a man. And this is the thing that Jesus said to Nicodemus, "If you don't have a new heart, you can't see it. You are blind for the things of the kingdom of God. You are trying to behave well. you are trying to be godly, but you are blind, you don't see the reality. Nicodemus, he was blind. He was not aware of his need. He was in need of something, but he didn't know what he, had, what he needed. And he thought he was in need for a teacher, but he needed a Savior. He was not aware that he was dead and that he needed life. And it's only by God's Spirit who can change us and change our hearts. And this is the thing not only for Nicodemus, This is true for all of us. For everyone, every man. Everyone who is not born again is blind in his heart and is wicked and walking in sin. That's what the Bible teaches us. And then Nicodemus asked this question to Jesus. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born while well, Jesus was explaining these things, he didn't understand a single bit of it. He could not understand what Jesus was saying. How can these things be? And his mind was thinking about the natural birth. And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And again, Jesus said, Amen, Amen. Most assuredly, it is like underlining this must be happen, this must be happen, you must be born again. Jesus speaks here about water being born of water and spirit. And when I was digging into this, uh, see that it's explained differently. Uh, we see, for example, the Roman Catholic Church. They will say, here you have it. Water is baptismal. So you need to first be baptized in order to uh, be renewed. And They connect the water to the baptism. And that the- theology says that baptismal is one of the means to be born again. But the Bible is clear of this. Is in this. Baptism is not the means of salvation. Baptism is not the means of salvation tell me, the thief on the cross near Jesus, was he baptized? No, he was not baptized. But Jesus said that he would be with him in paradise. But being born of water and spirit is much more than just a water baptism. It speaks about the renewal of the heart. And I will give you two examples, two biblical uh, uh, truths for this. The first we find in Titus 3.5 I started in reading verse 4 there it says but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior to what man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration here we have the water and the renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Christ Jesus, our Savior. Here you see we have the water, it's, which is the washing of the regeneration, and also the Holy Spirit, the renewing of the Holy Spirit. But it's not only in the New Testament. We see it also in the Old Testament. When we read Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25, there it says, God speaks, then I will sprinkle clean water on you, here we see the water part, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit, here we see this spirit, so we had water and spirit. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Here we see also the Old Testament is speaking of the need of be born again. It is God's work. And it is a complete renewal. It is a complete renewal from inside out by God's Holy Spirit. And this is something which cannot be done by human hands. This cannot be done by doing outward forms. But this can only be done by and through the Holy Spirit. Spurgeon said about this, The Holy Spirit does not try to change the human nature and something better. But it lays the axe on the root of the tree, and it declares that we must become a new creation through the supernatural work of the Almighty God. That's it. It's not that we can become something better. It's not that we decorate it more. It's not that we change some outward forms. But a complete renewal. There's an axe under the tree. The tree must be cut and there must be a new creation. And this must take place in your heart. You must be born again. That's what the Bible teaches us. You must be born from above through the Holy Spirit. Otherwise you can't enter the kingdom of God. And the question is, how about your heart? As you are sitting here, I can't look into your heart. The Lord knows. But how about your heart? Is it renewed by the Spirit? Do you know the the life with Jesus Christ? Do you know the the renewal of your heart that you are longing to Him? Is your old stony heart replaced by the Holy Spirit? Or are you still having a stony heart in need of repentance? And today the Lord is calling you to repent and believe. Today. And I hear a lot of people who are saying tomorrow. Tomorrow a lot of young people young folk will say well when i will marry then i will change my life all the people will say when i will uh, when i'm 40 or 50 or 60 then i will change my life listen what the holy spirit says today if you will hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in rebellion did you hear it's today this moment don't Wait any longer. Today. You know the, the devil's lie? One of the biggest lies of the devil? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Next week. Next year. At the end of your life. Take time. What does the Bible say? Today. Today if you hear his voice... Don't harden your heart. And don't try to sh- just to change outwardly. Don't try to, to just do good works in order to have a place in heaven because that's not the thing that the Lord asked from us. Except someone is born out of water and spirit, he can't enter the kingdom. This brings us at our last point we see the explanation of Jesus. How is the rebirth a work of the Holy Spirit? And we will see it is a invisible in itself, but it has a clear and visible result. So in itself it's invisible, but it has a visible result. In the first place we see in our text the natural birth. Verse 6, we see that which is born of the flesh is Flesh, in other words, the natural birth is and stays always natural. Even if if it will be possible to be born fifty times, hundred times, a thousand times from my mother, I will stay the same as my mother and my father. It will not change. And this applies all to us. We are all born in a depraved human nature. And then Jesus speaks about. The second birth. So verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. This is our birth from nature. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And this is not a birth of this world. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is a spiritual birth. A new birth. Done through and by the Holy Spirit of God. This speaks about the godly nature. Divine nature. And they are completely different. The first is physical. And the second bird is spiritual. See the difference also as Paul writes to uh, the letter of Rome. In, in, in Rome 8. He writes, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to spiritually minded is Life and peace. You see the big differences. We can live for the worldly things and for the early things. But it's, in the end it's death. But to live in the Spirit is life. Eternal. There's undeniable difference in nature. So there are these two groups. Those who are born of the Spirit and those who are not. And the question still is And which of the two are you? What is really at the bottom of your heart? What is really at the bottom of your heart? Is there a deep longing? To serve the Lord? To live for Him? To say, He is my Savior. He is my all in all. He is my Lord. He is my Creator. I live for Him. And every morning when we awake... I say, oh Lord, let this day be for your glory. Let me live for your glory. Help me to live the Christian life and help me to be a light in this darkened world. Or are you one who sits here and maybe thinking, well, how long does it take before the service is finished? Or are your minds more in, in your business or in your work or anything else instead of the longing? To hear more of God and to live for Him. (laughs) If you are still living in the flesh. If you still have your life aimed at this world. Something must happen. You must be born again. And I would say to you, if you are such a person, you are seated here. And you have still a stony heart longing to the things of this world. Don't go further. Cry out to Jesus Christ. Claim to the cross of Golgotha. And cry out to him. From out your heart. And if we ask for the Lord. He will hear. He has such great promises. That all who are going to him. He will listen to. He will renew them. There is no single sinner in this world who is going to Jesus for forgiveness who will not get forgiveness. No single one. But all those who are going to Christ Jesus, they will have eternal life. They will be renewed. That's what the Bible teaches us. Peter also, he is also speaking about the new birth. As we read in First Peter 1, 23, he's, he's writing, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the words of God, which lives and abides forever. And how is this word of God applied? It's applied through the preaching. It's applied to the reading of God's word. When it's come down in our hearts. When it's renewing. Because Peter writes, All flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as a flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away. You know, we all will die someday. We all will die. We will all breath our last. I will, you will. We all will. But the word of God endures forever forever that's the things of the spirit that are the things of him God's word is eternal you know the world our world is is corruptible this world will pass by and the only thing which will stay which will stand is the word of God And then Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, do not marvel. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. This is not a new teaching. This is something which also is in the Old Testament. But there's a thing that when Jesus is saying, you must be born again, this is a plural word. This is not just only Nicodemus. Christ looks further than only Nicodemus. Nicodemus. And this is not only for, we can say, people in the church. This is also needful for those who are outside the church. Everyone needs to be born again. Do not marvel that Christ says you must be born again. And fill in your own name. Fill in your own name that Jesus says. Do not marvel your own name that I said you must be born again. And many people today will say, well, it's fanatism. You are too radical if you preach that. You are too radical if you say you must be born again. No, this is not my word, but it's the word of God. Jesus spoke. Jesus the Son of God. He said you must be born again. And this is an absolute necessity. And there's no place for half Christianity. So Jesus ends with this illustration of the work of the Holy Spirit. And he says, well, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Nobody controls the wind. There's no human being who can say, well, I can catch the wind. There's no human being who can say, well, exactly at this point, here starts the wind. And at this point, here ends the wind. When there's something which we can't, uh, we can't control it. It is something God does. Today we can control much more things. We can control so many things, but we are not able to control the wind. And this wind is like the spirit. It's His work. It is His mighty act. The wind moves from east to west to north and we can hear it we can hear the wind when it's going by we can see the results and sometimes we hear of a hurricane and we see the damage which it, it brings so it is with the wind and so it is with the, everyone who is born of, this, of the spirit of the holy spirit and we can't say anything else on this it is a divine mystery The work of the Spirit itself is a divine mystery. He is doing the work. Origin of rebirth is a mystery. But the outcome of it is undeniable. The outcome of the works of the Holy Spirit are undeniable. It can't go unnoticed. Oh, what a joy when the Spirit of God does this work of rebirth in the heart of a sinner. It says, so we must end. Except you are born of the Spirit, you can't see the kingdom of God. So you must be born again. And without this spiritual birth, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So that means no one is able to live for God except if the Holy Spirit is taking out the old heart of stone. And replaced it with a heart of flesh. And one of the famous preachers in this country also was George Whitfield. And it says that in his biographies that he preached a lot about being born again. And once a lady came to him and said, Mr. Whitfield, why are you preaching so much about the need? Of to be born again. His answer was simply this. Because you must be born again. Oh, this is the longing. Also for me. That we may hear. Spiritual babies cry. Cry for the pure milk of the word. That God's spirit will work inwardly. A renew from inside out and that we will get the hunger for God's word that we will grow in maturity that we will uh, be a people of God serving him loving him and spreading the light in this darkened world brothers and sisters there's so much need so much need that uh, this world uh, that there may be a revival again and just as I said, I can't look into your heart. I can see you on the outside, but God sees the heart itself. He knows what is in your heart. And do you know this life? Is your heart renewed? Oh, rejoice in Him. Bring all the praise and glory to this God because He did this mysterious work in your heart and your life. And if not. I would say this evening, flee to Christ. Flee to Christ. Don't wait. He is the way. He is the life. He is the truth. We can enter heaven through Him. He is the living water. And He says, come to to me all you who are laboring come to me you know there was grace for nicodemus pharisee outwardly someone who seems to be a godly man but inwardly far away from god for him was grace also there's also for you there is grace there's grace for the most hardened hearts there's grace for the greatest sinners Oh Lord, that your spirit may change each and every one of us for your glory. Amen.